So today we have Elizabeth Rudas, who is a surface water engineer with Michael Baker International. She has also been super involved with ASE, which is the American Society of Civil Engineers. She was the section president for Orange County. Um, she also just got elected as the ASEE Society at-large director. So um, the board of direction uh, oversees all of, for those of you that are not familiar with ASE, American Society of Civil Engineers, the board of direction oversees um, the operations of the whole society. Um, and our society is a, has a membership of over 150,000 people across the whole entire world. So that is a super huge accomplishment. And I think you are the first younger member to be elected to the board of direction, which is a super huge accomplishment. And you are blazing trails left and right <laughs> um, in so many ways. Um, and you also have a YouTube channel with, I think, over 85,000 followers. <laughs> so, and I think you're, you're into makeup. Is that right? Like, is that kind of why the YouTube channel was created? Uh-huh, hair and, and makeup, yeah. Hair and makeup, hair and makeup, blazing trails in civil engineering and doing other super amazing things. So with that, thank you, Liz, for joining today. And the first question I have for you, I guess, is just a little bit of a background of where you grew up, kind of your backstory, um, you know, I guess, what led you into civil engineering? Yeah, yeah, sounds perfect. And thank you so much for, for having me as well. So excited. And uh, let's see, so I was, I was born and raised in a city called El Monte in California. And uh, so born and raised Southern California, still live here. And it was an awesome experience just because we were uh, low income and um, there wasn't as much diversity in that area as um, we've been exposed to through college and, and, and later in life uh, also uh, because it was a, a lower, income lower resource city. Um, we didn't have access to perhaps as many parks and green spaces. And so I, I definitely didn't know about engineering at all growing up. I actually wasn't exposed to it, the word itself, I think, for the very first time until I was a junior in high school. And it, it just so happened that one of my teachers said, hey, there's this uh, program happening over the summer and, and you should apply. And it was meant for uh, Hispanic students. And at the time, I was like, no, no, I don't have no time for this, right? Like, it's sports and, and um, just trying to enjoy my summer. And, and then they just kept pushing for me to, to apply, ended up applying. And it was actually geared towards environmental engineering. And it was the first time that, like, all of my worlds kind of came together, right? The, the love, passion for science and engineering, or sorry, not engineering, but for math and science. And then uh, problem solving, being able to, to really bring in these sustainable um, or implement sustainable practices, even though at the time I didn't know the word sustainability at all, but all of it coming together was just amazing for me. And um, one of the, the leaders uh, as part of the group had also mentioned that if we were interested in finding a career that wasn't going to be impacted as much by a recession, civil engineering was definitely the way to go. And we were just coming out of a recession at that time. So I have no idea what civil engineering was, but I applied everywhere as a civil engineer and it worked out. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so as a kid, like what did you think you want? Like, you know, you were describing a little bit kind of during high school and stuff, but when you were younger, like what were the things that you were drawn to or what did you think you were going to be when you were in elementary school? 
I've, I've always been pretty stubborn, hard-headed, and uh, spoke my mind and, and tried to represent underrepresented uh, communities and, and things of that nature. And uh, so lawyer was something that I was always encouraged to pursue. And that was actually my game plan. I was hoping to, to go through and, and finish engineering. And uh, essentially, I was looking for some type of a degree that was um, going to be quick, that didn't require uh, any type of graduate school or anything like that in order for me to to then go and and become a lawyer so that was my game plan um graduate with an engineering degree work for a few years save up money and then pay my my way through law school but then the more i thought about it the more i realized i really liked engineering and i i was able to represent underrepresented communities as well as uh nature that is often not you know doesn't have a voice in in a lot of these discussions uh through my work as opposed to doing so in, on, on the legal side of things. And then um, through the surface water work that I do as well, I'm able to constantly stay up with, with new laws, regulations, and ensure permit compliance for um, local municipalities, land developers, and uh, local business owners. So I was able to do a lot of what I was hoping to do with a law degree without necessarily going back to school and, and getting into to more debt, I guess. And then I also wanted to go into politics, and then I realized that I didn't necessarily need a, a law degree in order to do so. So uh, yeah, engineering is, is awesome. <laughs> I love that you say those things because I see, because you're very involved with le legislative actions through ASE. So there's the politics. I mean, not that it's really it's politics, but it but it's in, like, um, it's, it's being aware of the law and what goes into that and having an influence in that, I think, which is so cool. And I think that's so cool to be coming at that from the uh, private sector instead of from, you know, uh, politics or, you know, the, the legal side of it. I think that that's really cool that you found those passions or kept those passions and still carry through with them. So what led you to surface water, like to get involved with surface water? Yeah, so I, I actually initially specialized in structures. I, I went to UC Irvine and absolutely loved the challenge that, that came with structures. And it was it was probably the class that I had the, the hardest time in and, and, and the reason that I enjoyed it so much. I mean, we all go into engineering because we like a good challenge. And so I, I absolutely loved it, um, but then the more I started applying to to uh, potential internships and, and such, the, the more I became aware that I was likely going to have to go back to school if I wanted to be practicing um, structural engineering. And at the time, we were completely broke and I had no money. So I wasn't, it wasn't really a, an option unless maybe I found a company to sponsor um, a master's degree. So uh, it just it just so happened that I ended up going into general engineering. Uh, so I, I worked for a small firm called CNC Engineering for almost five years. And um, the CNC, their primary client is the city of industry. And just like the name suggests, super, super industrial. And so um, it was just a need for someone to get more involved with, with surface water there, the, the MS4 permit, the industrial general permit, uh, the construction general permit. And um, my supervisors knew of my interest in, in public policy and uh, they just thought that would be a good fit. And I also loved the, the fact that I was able to also help local business owners ensure compliance with their, their facilities, especially if they were an industrial facility. And oftentimes I was able to actually interpret permit uh, requirements in Spanish. And so uh, just bringing that, that whole, um, 
experience from even before engineering got started was really nice. Spanish was my first language, so being able to help others in, in my native language was super rewarding as well. That's cool. So would you say like most of your clients uh, with the surface water, like most of your clients, are they uh, individual businesses? Is that, would that be like a target client for you guys? Or it, is it um, like public municipalities or? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really nice because it's it's all of the above. Um, different permits uh, have different requirements and they also apply to, to different uh, agencies, uh, local business owners, land developers. And so with the construction general permit, uh, for example, uh, which I don't do a ton of work with, um, but the construction general permit is specifically for construction projects. And so they would also touch all of those, those groups. The industrial general permit is specific to industrial facilities that are uh, listed on the permit based on their SIC code, um, which is the type of work that they do. But there are also municipality requirements tied to the industrial general permit for inspection um, services and, and stuff like that. And then the MS4 permit applies to municipalities, but then there's phase one and phase two. And so there's, there's traditional, non-traditional. So a lot of the work that, that I do currently is for local municipalities, for state parks, um, for local um, land developers, as well as uh, sometimes uh, HOAs as well. They, they need to sometimes inspect their facilities and do like a self-certification to ensure that the city is in compliance and um, can, can check that, that item off. So it's a, a little bit of everything. And I just, I love that, that client interaction. Okay. Uh, so, like, how long does a project last for you? Like, do you have clients that are ongoing, or like, what what would be a normal project timeline for you? Yeah. So, so some some of the items that we we work on are are specific kind of technical reports, and so the the writing of the technical report uh, spans um, sometimes a few months, uh, much longer for for larger projects. And uh, for other other contracts that we have, they tend to be more on call contracts. So as as things come up, and those are are usually a few years. Okay. Okay. So switching gears a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Technical stuff. <laughs> um, what would be one of your least expected hobbies? Um, probably the the YouTube stuff, right? The the hair, makeup, and um, recently, so we we. I, I took a, a break from uploading videos just because other things come up and, and stuff, but I, I really wanted to get back into it. And so my goal was for it to be uh, tied to this like model, this this uh, model that, that, yeah, that we had within uh, the sorority that I was a part of in college called Five Sigma Rho, and it was uh, Beauty Brains Feast. And so I, I wanted to keep it tied to that. I added badass towards the end, uh, be to the fourth power, right? Um, and, and so my, my goal was to show that you can be into the beauty, into makeup and all of that and still be super nerdy at the same time. So I, my, when I stopped making the YouTube videos, I was just starting to get into incorporating more of the engineering side of things, documenting, planning a, a conference, documenting, uh, running an organization. Um, when I was Orange County branch president, I really wanted to try to showcase some of that. And unfortunately, didn't have a chance to do so as much. But um, Recently, I did upload a, another video, and it was a gardening video. So we we live in an apartment. We have we don't have a ton of space to, to garden, but we've been trying to grow as much of our own food. And um, yeah, yeah, just gardening in general, I think, would be another unexpected hobby. And I see you've got the plans behind yeah. you too. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, no, back to your Orange County, like talking about when you were uh, president of the Orange County branch, right? Branch, mm -hmm. is that right? Um, I remember, so I think one of the first times I saw you publicly speak was at a conference um, and there were, you know, industry leaders from all across the world there. And I just remember you getting up there, I think it was Rob, with you and Ravi, and getting up there and talking about the website because you guys won some awards for your website and you just killed it and like you were confident, <laughs> you were poised and just rolled through it. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> she knows what she's doing and she's super confident about that. So. <laughs> That was so cool. So thank yeah, you, thank you. you guys won a ton. Of, I feel like you guys have won a ton of awards too, right? With your Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. It the, the effort actually started um before I got involved with, with uh ACOC branch. Um uh Josh Nelson and and uh, Gary Gilbert really led that effort and it was it was really fun to come in as they were developing and, and redoing the website and to to see their vision for it and the ultimate goal was just to try to automate as much as possible to uh, decrease the administrative burden that sometimes comes with, with volunteering and trying to run a group so that we could focus all of our attention on planning new events and, and growing our team and stuff. And so uh, the, the website itself is just fully automated. It pulls from uh, Eventbrite, it pulls from photos that we have saved in other areas, our newsletter uh, articles are sprinkled throughout. And, and so the automation process made it really fun and then it was really awesome to share that that experience in, in our website with the group yeah how many members do you have in your branch in the uh, branch? i think it's around two thousand um okay. but but active members are are always less than that and so our our younger member forum is extremely active and sometimes at our like board meetings uh, we'll see 30 40 younger members and then uh at, at the branch level we have our committee structure and um and yeah, pretty active there as well. Yeah, you guys are super active. <laughs> but for like to your point of the website, when you have 2,000 members, you have to have it pretty efficient and streamlined. So I'm sure that saves volunteer hours. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and, and it's it's always just like that that first impression as well, right? Like if if you go on a website and you see information about events that happened two years ago, it just it doesn't send that 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 message that that you want to to convey, and um, we we just really wanted everything to be up to date all the time, and it's really tough to do that if you're volunteering, um, and so the automation was was key. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and like you said, when it's out out of date information, then it 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 makes it look inactive, like it doesn't it doesn't portray how active you guys actually are. So. Okay, so um, what uh, we've kind of talked a lot about this, I guess, but I was going to ask you, like, what's one thing that you're passionate about? Um, but we've already talked about a lot about that. But if there's something else you would like to elaborate on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm super passionate about helping inspire, uh, educate and empower others to help us move towards a more sustainable future. And I think we do so in, in our work. Quite a bit, uh, just ensuring that we're taking into account the environment, the future funding. Uh, you know, all, we're, we're constantly playing with all of these different levers and, and just trying to ensure a sustainable project. But there's there's also so much we can do in our personal life. And so uh, I I'm super passionate about minimalism, about zero waste. Uh, we try to grow as much of our food to reduce some of that transportation cost and and carbon emissions associated with it and um we compost on on, on our uh balcony as well and then uh, just trying to to find ways to empower and educate others use our current platforms to continue leadership development to 
to get the, the word out there about our, our profession. And so I think all of the, the things that I do spend my time on or that I decide to volunteer with align with that. So the YouTube is, is there to help inspire, educate, and empower others. Um, the, the work that I did through the Committee on Younger Members, we, we put together the Younger Member Leadership Symposiums where we're trying just to, to build younger leaders to ensure that our, our, our voices are heard and, and to also showcase all of the possible leadership opportunities uh, throughout ASCE. And so it's, it's, it's nice to, to be able to bring all of those together in, in both my professional volunteer and personal life. Yeah. Uh, so you brought up something you're talking about future stuff. So um, I think you are also on the committee for future cities, right? For the, or for world vision, future, like future world vision, right? Yeah. So ASE's future world vision. So can you speak about that a little bit and kind of what that entails? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's this crazy, awesome project that essentially is broken up into two phases. So the first phase, was meant to really try to figure out what future scenarios might look like. And so um, there was work with a consultant to do these interviews with tech companies and, and try to find um, experiences that these disruptors essentially went through. And, and so um, we, we gathered a ton of awesome data and then using that data, we came up with these um, potential future worlds. And so uh, what, they, what they're meant to do and represent is not a, a future ideal world, it's just possible scenarios. And, and the goal here is to say, um, you know, we have these, these like red flags essentially. If they are constantly popping up throughout each one of these future scenarios, then we know as an organization that we should, no matter what, prepare for that because it's a likely scenario to happen, no matter what our future ends up looking like. And so um, it's just, it's been really fun to, to use our imagination to try to figure out what challenges we would um, confront if we decided to move into these like floating cities, right? Like why not? Why, why, why stay static in an area and then endure all of these like natural disasters and, 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 and things that we really can't necessarily plan or predict? Um, and, and why not move into the ocean and be able to move away from these natural disasters as they start coming? And, and so when we start asking these questions and, and start trying to imagine uh, what that might look like, we start realizing that we have these engineering constraints or engineering issues that we haven't necessarily resolved yet, or maybe we don't have the, the potential technology to allow for that yet. And so it just, it, it starts getting that discussion going. And so now uh, we're looking into ways of, of getting that into a university setting uh, with, the, with the whole virtual reality experience too. And, and so it's, it's just, it's meant to be a provocation tool and it's, it's been incredibly awesome to be a part of that. And they recently also added separate groups. Um, so I've, I've joined or I'm helping lead the, the social ethos groups because I think it's important to also take, into the, take that into account as we, we start imagining these future worlds. I mean, were we even very inclusive and diverse when we were imagining, were we ensuring that everyone has a role to play in that future world or are we being selective? And then how is that new infra infrastructure going to interact with um, our, our, our not only members of the organization and the society, but also the general public? And, and what about people with disabilities? And what about those that are typically underrepresented? And, and so uh, we're hoping to ask a lot of those questions just to ensure that we are being much more inclusive and, and diverse in our approach. That's like, I remember being so like the first time I heard about the future world vision, just being so inspired by it, because 
as engineers, a lot of times we're reactive to the things that our clients want to do and the problems that are already in place and how cool that this whole, like this whole initiative, the whole point of it is to look in the future and to be proactive uh -huh. and, and, you know, try and think, not that we know what those problems are going to be, but like you said, if the red flags pop up in all of these different scenarios, there's a high likelihood that that's going to be a problem. So to be thinking about it before it's actually, you know, an email that we get from a client that says, hey, this is a problem and we need to deal with it. If we can be proactive and plan for that, like, I feel like that gives us as engineers a really cool platform too, because we're, we're not a, like, we're, we're adding solutions to the problem, but we're like trying to prevent the problem too. So that's so cool. I, I, I can't wait to hear more about it. I feel like it's developing at lightning speed and that's yeah. super inspiring. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really fun too, because it's a tool that, that like you mentioned, we can take to our cities, counties, our, our clients. Um, but it's also a tool that we can take to public policy uh, makers, right? Like how, how is our current public policy shaping that discussion? Is it allowing for that innovation? Is it is it going to be flexible or are we going to have to, to change legislation in order to make those things possible? So it's, it, it's a really nice tool to get them thinking ahead as well and to start making those changes. And then one of the things that to me stood out the most during the first phase of the, of the project was specific to systems engineering. Uh, it's not something that, that I knew very much about. It's still not something that I know very much about, but it, it came up over and over again. It was, it was this, this need for us to, to maybe not be super specialized in a certain area, but to, to ensure that we're managing systems as a whole. Like if we start adding sensors to everything, those sensors can provide a ton of awesome data for not just the civil engineers, but a ton of other disciplines. And so, um, but, the idea of getting that information out early made me realize that that it might actually shift the focus for some of our, our younger generations, right? Instead of, of maybe not focusing or not taking those systems engineering type of classes in school, this, this project might make them realize that that's actually something really important that they can start focusing on and developing on early on to make themselves a much more um, potential to increase their chances of getting hired essentially uh and, and to have those internships and, and to set themselves apart sure and to be thinking about other disciplines too yeah. right yeah. so like uh, all of these sensors and systems in place like like you said it affects more than one discipline so if they can be thinking broader too of how it affects other people that are part of the team that's super helpful too yeah so inspiring <laughs> Um, okay, so what, like switching gears a little bit again, so what do you feel like in your career has been one risk that you've had to take to get where you're at now? I know you're a risk taker. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know, I, I think just um, probably choosing to, to not give up when it came to trying to get a younger member on the board of direction. Um, it, it's it's so easy to to get lots of no's along the way or or to to maybe give up uh, and and so with everything that we do within AACE it's it's so much bigger than ourselves and so it's it's just it's it's nice to know that you have a a team that's not only there to support your efforts and and your persistence um, uh, but then you know that that impact is going to be so much bigger than than yourself right we're we're not doing this to be selfish at all it's it's meant to 
make it easier for those that are, are following in our footsteps or to open doors or create seats at that table that, that weren't previously there. And so um, the, the opportunity to, to, to uh, be nominated for the at-large director and, and to try that again, even though I wasn't successful the first time around, um, was, was, was probably it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, it, it's, it's trailblazing. It's something brand new that you, and, and a bunch of other people, but you guys had to go through new channels to, to make any sort of progress. So I can see how that would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So who would be one person that inspires you? Uh, probably uh, my mom and dad. Uh, I, I feel like that's, that's probably the typical uh, response, uh, but just being um, in a, a new country that they, they didn't know English when they were here. And um, my mom started up a, a, a brand new business. Uh, she um, owned a bridal, so she made wedding dresses, quinceanera dresses, uh, prom dresses. And, and so to be able to do that while raising a family and, and trying to go to night school to learn a new language, um, just super inspiring and, um, and just, I don't know, like when, when, you, when you see other people's hard work like that and, and really not letting these challenges that, that sometimes might, might keep others from, from fulfilling their dreams, uh, it, it, just, it, it just makes it so that like nothing on our end is, is I guess impossible, right? Whatever our dreams are, uh, it's it's really nice to be able to to have that ambition to to move in that direction and to not let those things, I, I guess, tear you down. Um, but whenever whenever I'm feeling a little um, like burnt out, because I think it happens to all of us, right? When and then especially, I, I know you you've you've uh, um, served in in leadership roles within ASE, and and after that year of serving as as president you're kind of drained a little bit but the thing that always gives me a, a ton of energy is is interactions like this right so I, I think just finding daily opportunities to be inspired um, by the, those that you're interacting with is, is super awesome and it's easy to find those people uh, with with volunteer organizations because everyone who's volunteering is extremely passionate about something and passion is contagious and and, and that helps kind of keep, keep us all going as well yeah, that that's for sure, right? Like we're not doing it for the paycheck. No. <laughs> but I do think that, and I also think like a lot of people, when you volunteer, like you said, it's something that you're passionate about. It's something that you're doing because you want to do, and because, like you were saying earlier, it's to further the profession. It's to help those other people that are coming up behind you or younger than you or whatever it is. Like uh, everyone that I've met that that gets involved with something like this they have a bigger picture in mind just like you were saying it's not just about you it's about society it's about the betterment of society it's about helping people and i think anytime you do something like that it's super inspiring and you're inspired by other people that uh -huh. do that. so uh, it is so great to see you i haven't seen you in forever it's so great to see you anytime i talk to you i'm inspired and you make me want to do my job better so likewise, thank you for likewise. being an inspiration to so many people and thank you for doing this <laughs> thank you so much for setting it up and likewise thank you thank you okay all right